Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good? Awesome. Well, my name is Dame Yiddle. I'm the student pastor here at LifePoint, and uh, I just thought we'd kick off this morning with our memory verse for the series that we're in. So uh, if you guys could go ahead and stand up. Um, and let's go ahead and say it together. Hebrews 12:1 says this. It says, "Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us." Hebrews 12:1. Awesome. Y'all go ahead and take a seat. Well, this morning, uh, or I'm sorry, last week, uh, our senior pastor, Pastor Mark, uh, posed a question to some of the staff, uh, just kind of get our opinion. And I wanted to pose that same question to y'all because I thought it was interesting. I wanted to hear what our church family thought. Uh, And so this was the question right here. Um, What would you do if you had unlimited resources? What would you do if you had unlimited resources? So I'm, I'm just curious, show of hands, uh, what are some of the things y'all would do with unlimited resources? Say again? End world hunger, come on. What else? Okay, yep. <laughs> I didn't hear that one, I'm sorry, but what else? Over here, students, what do you guys think? What would you guys do? Stop the war in Ukraine, come on, there you go, yeah. Anything else, one more. And homelessness, there you go, okay, there's, there's a good one, there you go. Um, well, so here, here's the thing, and, and we saw the same pattern with our staff, with our church staff, is that when you pose that question, uh, when you're thinking about that, right, the question of just, man, what would you do with unlimited resources More times than not, quite often, you don't get the answers of, you know, I would just kind of buy a new truck, right? Um, You know, I might go get like a PS5 or or a new gaming system, right? You you naturally start to think of, man, like, I want to make an impact in this world that's going to carry on for generations. Like, I don't want to do something just small. I want to do something massive, And many times even, that massive impact that you wanna make with limited resources, as you start to think about it, that it doesn't necessarily even involve you. Uh, It involves other people throughout the world, right? We talked about ending uh, homelessness, talked about ending uh, world hunger, talked about ending the war in uh, Ukraine. The things that we tend to wanna do aren't small things, they're massive things. And they're not self-centered things, they're other-centered things more often than not. And we saw the exact same theme with our staff when Pastor Mark posed the question to, uh, to some of us. And I think there's intention behind that. I think there's a reason behind that. And I think the reason is, innately, I think that we have a desire inside of ourselves to make that kind of impact. We want to do something that's remembered. We want to do something that's ultimately going to better things for other people. We see things in this world that are wrong, that we acknowledge. We're just like, man, it shouldn't be that way. And we want to do something about it. The problem is, is that's a fun question to think about. 
But if we come back to reality, we know that we do not live in an unlimited resource world, right? Our resources that we have within ourselves, at home, in our bank accounts, whatever, the resources we have available to us are not unlimited, they're actually very limited. And so when we think about trying to make an impact in the world, many times our impact is limited by the limited resources that we have. You might go to work, you might talk with your neighbor and you hear that, man, there's a, there's a financial issue in somebody's life. And you see that and you're just like, man, like that's a problem. I would love to do something about that. I would love to really make an impact in this person's life that's, that's significant, that's gonna carry over into uh, generations of their family, but I can barely pay my own bills. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. And so I have a desire in myself to make an impact in their lives, but because of my limited resources, I, 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 can't, I can't do it. I can't do what I wanna do. Maybe you come home from work, right? You know, man, my family is important. The time I spend with my family is important. The time I spend with my kids is important, but you get home from work and your energy level is like down to like 1%, right? And you wanna just spend yourself for your family but the truth is, is that you're running on fumes right now and your limited energy keeps you from making the impact that you wanna make. When I was in seminary, oftentimes I would have friends that were moving, right? From apartment to apartment or, or house to house. And I had a truck and so which that naturally made me one of the first people, people asked, right, for help. And uh, which is okay, like that's one of the reasons why I got a truck. But oftentimes the day they wanted to move was the one day of the week that I had off, right? It was like they looked at my calendar, like, oh, Dane's not working or doing anything on Saturday. Let's move on Saturday, right? And so I'd have friends come to me and say, hey man, like I really need some help moving. Um, like I don't have a lot of money, so I can't really hire people. Would you be willing to help me out? And I'm listening to them and man, there's a desire inside of me. It's like, I wanna help you. I, I wanna use what I have to help your life uh, be a little easier. But to be totally honest, like that's my only day off for the whole week and I'm exhausted. And so oftentimes like I would say like, man, I'm, I'm so sorry, I can't do it that day. And so the impact that I would wanna make was limited by the limited resources that I had. And we would instead just respond by doing what's reasonable, right? Because here's the thing, it's completely reasonable to hear a financial response from somebody and be like, hey, I, I can't meet that, but man, like I can, I, can, I can give you a 20, right? It's reasonable. My resources are limited. I can't make the impact I want, but I, I can do something. And so here, here you go, like I'll give you, I'll give you something. You can make a reasonable response, a reasonable impact, right? You're, you come home from work and you're exhausted, man. I can do a little bit, I can do what's reasonable right, with my family, with my kids. Man, I can't help you move on that day, but man, maybe I can, get, I can give you an hour. Like I can go help you out for an hour, but then I've gotta go. And nobody would look at your reasonable responses and think you were doing anything wrong. In fact, they would look at your reasonable responses and conclude just that, like, that's reasonable. Like, that's what everybody would do. That's what any normal person would do. But it doesn't change the fact that there's a desire deep down inside of us that we wanna do something more. We wanna make an impact that's larger, that's greater, that's gonna radically change somebody's life. But how do we do that with limited resources? And that's the question I want us to ask and answer here this morning. It's a question I want us to dive into. It's this, how do you make an impact with limited resources? 
How do you make the massive, remarkable impact that you want to make deep down inside when your resources are limited? And this morning, as we're jumping into week five of our hero series, we're going to look at a hero in the Bible. Uh, it's a woman named Ruth. And we're going to look at the woman, this woman named Ruth, because what she did was very interesting. She made not a reasonable impact in human history, but she made a remarkable impact with next to no resources. She made a remarkable impact with next to no resources. Now, I'm gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna talk about the book of Ruth with kind of some supplies right here. I've got a good buddy of mine, uh, students. We know we just went through the book of Ruth like a couple weeks ago. Um, and a good buddy of mine has this awesome way of demonstrating the book of Ruth. Uh, and so I messaged him up. I was like, hey, man, like that's genius. Can I use it? He's like, yeah, man, whatever's helpful, like go for it. And so uh, I'm gonna use kind of how he demonstrates the book of Ruth uh, here this morning for us because I think it's helpful. Um, and so I have three things right here in front of me. Um, I have this, this jar of candy right here. And this jar is gonna symbolize our resources, what we have available to us, whether it's our money, our time, like whatever it is, our resources right here, what we have available to give. And then this spoon is gonna represent the reasonable, normal response for the type of impact that we can usually give somebody given the resources that we have, right? And so that spoon is gonna represent what's reasonable, right? But this shovel right here, this is gonna represent what we want to give, all right? If my resources limit me right here, I wanna give this, but my resources limit me from being able to do that. Because no matter how hard I try, I can't, I can't get that in there. It's not gonna work. And it doesn't change the fact that I want to give this. And so I'm gonna use these three things right here, our resources, what we tend to give, and then what we want to give right here with this shovel. Because oftentimes, when we see a need, what happens is that we're forced to choose the reasonable thing when we want to choose the remarkable thing, right? We are forced to choose the reasonable over the remarkable, Right, And so I see a need in front of me, a financial need. And man, I wanna pay for this person's uh, bills for the whole month or the whole quarter, or I wanna pay their mortgage. Or man, I wanna set their kids up for college. I wanna do something remarkable, but I'm looking at my resources and I can really only do like what's reasonable, right? I can't do much more than that. I can just you know, do what's reasonable and I would love to give more. But it just, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't fit, right? And so I can't, I can't do it. I'm forced to just, you know, give them a 20 or, or, uh, or I, I want to help this person move all day long and just give every single thing I have to it. But I look at them, I was like, man, like, I am so sorry. Like, I can, I can help you out for like an hour, right? Y'all didn't know it was gonna rain, huh? All right. I can help you out for an hour. I wanna do more, but I can't because my resources are limited. I've got this desire, but my resources limit what I'm able to do. We are so often forced to do what's reasonable over the fact that we wanna do what's remarkable. And the story of Ruth is the story of the reasonable versus the remarkable. The story of Ruth is the story of the reasonable or the remarkable over the reasonable. 
And you see this in chapters one, two, and three of Ruth. So in Ruth chapter one, what we see here is a woman named Naomi, all right, leaves from Israel with her husband and her two sons, and they go off to a foreign land because there's no food in Israel. And uh, when they get to this foreign land, her two sons meet two women. One woman's named Orpah, and one woman's named Ruth, all right? These are non-Jewish women, all right? And so these sons fall in love with these two women. And then shortly thereafter, Naomi, the mother, her husband dies, and both of her two sons die. And so it's just her and Orpah and Ruth. And so in that moment, Naomi, an old woman, looks to her two daughters-in-law and says to them, hey, listen, I'm gonna go back home to Israel. I, I heard that God ended the famine there. But listen, y'all, y'all are not Jewish. Y'all are still young. You can still get married. You can still uh, find a, a, a great family to be a part of. You have your family that you're still a part of back then. And so Naomi says this to Orpah and to Ruth. Yet what you see with the two of them are two very different responses with Orpah and with Ruth. Because look at Ruth chapter one, verse 14. It says this, at this time they wept aloud again. And then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, and then Ruth clung to her. I want you to look again at that contrast between Ruth and Ruth one with Ruth and Orpah. Because what you see here is that Orpah did the reasonable thing. Orpah left. Now, Orpah didn't just like ditch her, right? Orpah stayed there. She cried with her. She mourned with her, right? And then she took off. She went back home. She did the, the thing that every single person would do. There's nothing wrong with what Orpah did. Orpah's not cast as this terrible individual in the book of Ruth. But instead of doing what was reasonable, Ruth did what was remarkable. Because Ruth looks to Naomi in the speech that if you're familiar with the book of Ruth, you, kinda, you, you already know but Ruth looks at Naomi and she says, hey, listen, your God's gonna be my God. Your people's gonna be my people. Only death will separate me from you. And so Ruth remained with Naomi. She stayed with her. Now, they both had the same resources, right? Like next to nothing, family members that were really like back home, right? Yet when Orpah did what was reasonable, Ruth did what was remarkable. And we see this pattern continue in Ruth chapter two. So Ruth chapter two, all right? We see this contrast between uh, what was safe, which was what was reasonable, and then what was not safe, but what was remarkable. And so Ruth and Naomi get back to Israel, and because they are poor, they've got no food, right? And so what Ruth does is she leaves to go glean out in the field. So she goes and finds a field that they're gleaning crops from, and she's able to gather up all the leftovers that fall to the ground which sounds kind of normal, but in that day and age, that would have been something that wasn't necessarily the safest thing to do. Like Ruth is just this single woman who's just out there by herself, just kind of gleaning around in the fields. It would have been far more reasonable for her to look to Naomi and say, hey, listen, why don't we just stick together? Like, I don't know anybody in this town. Like, you're the one who knows people. Like, maybe we should just kind of stick together. We can beg. We can just, you know, be a team here, right? But Ruth doesn't do that. Ruth takes off 
by herself off into this field to gather food for her and Naomi. And we know this wasn't necessarily the safest thing for her to do because right next in Ruth chapter two, verse eight, Ruth runs into this man named Boaz, who's the owner of the field. And Boaz says to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me, don't go and glean in another field. Don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. And he goes on to say that he's gonna talk to his men about making sure like she's left alone, that she's taken care for. Because she was in a situation right here where it would have been completely reasonable for her to just stay with Naomi, do the safe thing, but she doesn't. She does the remarkable thing. See, her resources weren't any different, right? She was still limited in the safety that she could provide for herself, but she did what was remarkable over what was reasonable. And then lastly, in Ruth chapter three, we see this again. Because Naomi talks to Ruth. Ruth says to Naomi, hey, I found this guy named Boaz in this field. And Naomi says to Ruth, like, well, he's actually a family member. And so what you should do is that you should go and you should ask him to, to marry you, right? Which sounds a little forward to us, a little like, wow, that came out of left field, right? But in that day and age, there was a Jewish custom to where uh, if, a, if a husband dies and leaves a widow, right, and that husband has a family member, that family member has the ability to then marry the widow, provide both protection and an heir to her and kind of take him under her wing and, and provide everything for her that her husband would have had he not died. And Boaz is one of those family members, and so Naomi says to Ruth, hey, I want you to go to him and I want you to propose to him and tell him, hey, listen, my deceased husband was your family member. I want you to redeem me. And so Ruth goes, she goes to Boaz, which sounds again, kind of like a normal thing, but we see the remarkableness of it in how Boaz responds to her. So here in Ruth chapter three, verse 10, it says this, the Lord bless you, my daughter. This is what Boaz is saying to Ruth. He says, this kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier because you have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And see, what we see here from that verse is that it would have been far more reasonable and from Boaz's comments, far more expected that she gets back to Israel, right? And she just tries to find somebody younger, somebody maybe even richer, and try to get connected to him, try to, try to flirt with him, build a relationship with him, have him marry her, and then kind of be herself provided for that way. It wasn't to go after a Boaz, because here's the thing. If she goes after somebody younger and they marry her and she gets in a relationship there, Naomi is just kind of left out in the dust. If she marries Boaz, then Boaz also has the obligation to take care of not just Ruth, but Naomi. And so in Ruth pursuing Boaz, Ruth is making an impact in Naomi's life when it would have been completely reasonable, completely understandable for her to just go after somebody else, take care of herself. But instead she does the remarkable thing. She doesn't do the reasonable thing. And I think this story is so fascinating because again, going back to our situation, I think we see issues and we see needs in front of us all the time and we have a desire inside of ourselves. Like I wanna make an impact here. I wanna make not just a reasonable like impact, I wanna make a remarkable impact. I wanna do something significant. And that's not a bad desire inside of us, but so often we have this dream and this desire, but then we're reminded of like what we have available to us 
And because our resources are so limited, we have to settle for just doing what's reasonable when we want to do what's remarkable. Yet, Ruth did what was remarkable regardless. Even though her resources were next to nothing, right? And if you're like me, I read that, I'm just like, oh man, like, I feel that tension inside. Of, like I wanna do something, I wanna do something remarkable. I don't wanna just settle for reasonable because here's the thing, reasonable at the end of the day, like reasonable is forgettable. It's what every single other person would do. It, it's, it's forgettable, it's, it's here today and it's gone tomorrow, it doesn't really make that big of an impact. Ruth chose what was remarkable even though she had zero resources. My question is how? Like, how did she do that? How do you make an impact with limited resources? And what we see here in the story of Ruth, what separated Ruth from Orpah, what separated Ruth from uh, the, the normal person who just kind of pursue safety, what separated Ruth from uh, the woman that would just go after somebody younger or somebody richer, what separated Ruth from the rest was the resource that she focused on. What separated Ruth from the rest was the resource that she focused on. This is so significant because here in Ruth chapter two, verse 12, Boaz is speaking to Ruth and he says to her, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. He's speaking specifically about when Ruth remained with Naomi coming back to Israel. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge under whose wings you have come to take refuge. You see, what separated Ruth from the rest was the resource that she focused on. And the resource she focused on was the God in heaven who she knew, who she was trusting, would take care of her, would provide for her, would go before her, she probably even heard from Naomi when Naomi said, hey, my God has ended the famine in Israel. And she just, on a whim of faith, decides like, man, I'm going that direction. If that's the God who can control nature and end something like this, that's where I wanna be. And so she fixes her eyes on him as the resource that she's gonna cast her entire lot into, who she is gonna lean herself on. And this is the principle we learn from Ruth. The principle we learn from Ruth is this, is that a limited, an unlimited, a limitless resource is what enables us to use a shovel when a spoon's reasonable. A limitless resource enables us to use a shovel when a spoon is reasonable. Because here's the thing, when Ruth saw that Naomi was going to go back home and Orpah left and Ruth remained with Naomi, Orpah was looking at like, man, this is what I've got as far as me providing for myself. And so I'll just kind of, you know, be nice to Naomi and, 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 and cry with her and then we're gonna take off. Ruth looked to the God of heaven and saw him as her refuge. And she didn't look to herself for her provision, but instead she looked to the God of heaven and just trusted him <laughs> that he would take care of her. And he would be her protection. He would be her provision. When she went out to glean in the field, she didn't just trust her own abilities to you know, provide for herself. 
she trusted that God would be her protection. When she looked to the fact that the other men were younger, maybe richer, she said, you know what? God's got my life in his hands. He'll provide for me. He has a plan for me. And she did what was remarkable. It has everything to do with the resource that you're focused on. Everything to do with the resource you're focused on. Because when the resource you're focused on is limitless, you're not, you're not worried about this. Now the impact you make might look different, might look, might look a little different, right? But think about this for a second. Like Ruth had nothing to her name and yet she was able to make an impact that you and I are still feeling to this day. We are still experiencing to this day. I'm gonna tell you what that is here in a second. But the impact was that great that it spanned thousands and thousands of years. She had nothing to her name. What she did have was her kindness that she showed Naomi. She had her life. She had the bit of strength that she had. She had her boldness. And so that resource looks different to the outside world. The outside world might look at you and you might even look at your bank account. Okay, listen, listen. I can change my focus right, on the God of heaven. Probably not gonna add any money to my bank account. Probably not. It might, right? Who knows? God can do whatever he wants to do. He owns a cow on a thousand hills. But it might not, right? That's not the point. The point is, is that Ruth saw the need and decided, you know what? Like, I'm gonna step out and I'm gonna meet that need and I'm not gonna get fixated on this. I'm gonna trust in the God of heaven and ask God, instead of looking at what I've got and be like, man, I don't have this or I wish I had that or I wish I had more money here or I wish I had whatever. I'm gonna look to God and be like, God, what do I have? What have you given me? And Ruth in that moment realized like, man, God's given me a heart. He's given me kindness. He's given me time. I'm gonna give all that to Naomi. I'm gonna go above and beyond in the kindness that I show to her. And that was how Ruth made a remarkable impact. Because Ruth remained when Orpah took off. Ruth gleaned when everybody else probably just would have remained back. Ruth decided, you know what, I'm gonna link my life to Boaz so that he can take care of not just me, but also Naomi. I'm not gonna just go after me, I'm gonna go after taking care of her as well, whatever it costs me. She wasn't fixated on the cost, she was fixated on the resource. And it's a limitless resource that enables us to use a shovel when a spoon is reasonable. Right? It's reasonable, it's okay, it's acceptable. Everybody else would look at you and be like, man, that's fine, that's great, you can do that. But if we have this desire inside of ourselves, we wanna do something remarkable. We wanna do something that's gonna make an impact eternally. We gotta stop looking at this and we gotta start looking at this of the resource that we have in the God of heaven. And so, uh, man, if you're a Jesus follower in here this morning, if you're not, if you're just here visiting, checking things out, awesome, you came on a great day, right? Um, but if you're just here checking things out, just going for you to pause, hang back. I'm a, I'm a, I got something I wanna share with you a little later. Uh, but if you're here and you would say, man, I'm a Jesus follower. I, I want my life to be about him. I've already decided like I wanna be about him and everything that I do. If that's you here this morning, this is my uh, prayer for us. This is my encouragement to you all. This week, I want, I want you to ask God to show you where you can use a shovel when a spoon would be reasonable. I want you to ask God where you can use a shovel where a spoon would be reasonable. 
Right? Maybe you're somebody that God really has blessed financially, like massively. And you're going to go out to lunch this afternoon, and it's going to be completely reasonable and normal and, and even appreciated and even praised, right, in some areas. For you to just go to lunch and tip like 20, 30 percent. It's reasonable. It's fine. It's nice. But man, you're going to sit there and be like, man, God has really blessed us. And you're going to tip 80, 90, regardless of how the waiter or waitress did. You're going to do that. He's like, man, he's, he's given me this. He has been my resource in this area. Man, I want to do something remarkable. I don't want to do something reasonable. Maybe you're going to go to work this week. And there's going to be a new coworker there. And the reasonable thing, right, is to just go by their office, go by their cubicle, just say hi, introduce yourself, be welcoming, right? Ask them, hey, if there's anything you need, like I will totally be there. You let me know. If you have any questions, be happy to answer them. Completely reasonable. But man, this week you're going to go there and you're like, hey, listen, can I, just, can I just take you out to lunch? I would just love to get to know you. You're going to take them out to lunch. You're going to buy them lunch. You're just going to spend your lunch hour just getting to know them. And just hear, man, what brought them there? What, what are some of their interests? What are their, some of their passions? And you're going to learn about them and you're going to develop a relationship with them. Because everybody else is just kind of passing by their office saying, hey, how's it going? Being nice, being kind, being polite. Those are all reasonable things to do. But reasonable is forgettable. And we want to be remarkable. If we want to make an impact in somebody's life, we don't want to just choose a spoon. We want to choose a shovel because we have a limitless resource. It might be for you that you're meeting up with somebody this week and they, uh, in a moment, just open up to you and talk about something really difficult that's going on in their life. And so you're, you're tempted to be there and to say the reasonable thing, which is, oh man, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm definitely gonna, we're, we're praying for you. Um, and you just let us know how that goes. Nothing wrong with that. It's, it's reasonable, right? But in that moment, you're gonna be like, man, I can do that. I can use a spoon, but man, I'm gonna use a shovel. And I'm gonna stay right there and say, hey, listen, can I pray for you right now? Like right now, in this moment, I don't care if we're in the grocery store or we're somebody's office, like I wanna pray for you right now. And then you're gonna text them the next day, you're gonna text them next week and say, hey man, how is this going? Like what's going on here? And you're gonna do something remarkable and something reasonable would have been totally fine. And that's my prayer for us this week is that we'll shift our focus from, from just this, the reasonable, what everybody else is doing and this resource that, that dictates what we do And we're gonna shift our focus to this, this limitless resource that God has given us in himself. We're gonna do what's remarkable over just what's reasonable because when we shift our focus, we can make an impact regardless of our own resources. When we shift our focus from what we have, we can make an impact regardless of our own resources. Because this is exactly what we see in the book of Ruth. Because in the book of Ruth, when Ruth had nothing, all she had was her kindness and her energy to go out and glean some wheat. God used her to make an impact that you and I are still feeling to this day. And we see that here in Ruth chapter four, verses 13 through 17. It says, so Boaz took Ruth, they got married, she became his wife. And when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. And the women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, 
Ruth, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Pause right there for a second. Because that is so significant right there. Better to you than seven sons. In Ruth chapter one, when Naomi comes back home to Israel, she has this kind of big public speech where everybody in Israel who knew her name went to her and said, hey, is this Naomi? The woman who, who left with her family? And Naomi stops them and Naomi says to them, she's like, no, don't call me Naomi. She says, call me Mara which means bitterness because God has made me bitter because she just lost her husband and she lost her two sons and she was looking at what she had and it was, it was nothing. And so she says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. And here at the end in Ruth chapter four, the women gather around Naomi again, just like they did in chapter one. And yet this time it's not Naomi saying that I am empty. It's the women saying that Naomi, you have been filled through your daughter-in-law so much more so that even seven sons, that perfect number, that ideal number could do for you. And it says the women living there said, Naomi has a son and they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse the father of David, who would ultimately be referenced in the prophecy of the branch, a son of David, who would come and he would live the perfect life and he would die the death that every single one of us deserved because of the rebellion that we have in our hearts toward God and all the imperfection that we have in our lives toward God that we know deep down, man, there's something wrong right here. I'm not the person I should be. And the Bible wouldn't argue with that, with you about that. It would actually say, no, yes. And actually you're far worse than you think you are. And if you're not a Jesus follower in here this morning, this, this is the message I want you to hear. Because the Bible doesn't blow over your problems and your issues and your mistakes and your screw ups. The Bible actually tells you, man, you are far worse than all that. There's something wrong with your heart. There's something wrong right here. And yet you were made to have a relationship with the God of heaven because it's only a perfect God who can fix that inside of you and inside of me. But that relationship is broken because of our offense toward that God, right? You can't just go before a perfect God and be like, hey, I'm really sorry. Like, can we just kind of start over here? Because if he looks at you, he's like, yeah, I guess I can just kind of forget about all that. Like he's not, he's not perfectly just. He can't just ignore injustice. He can't just ignore mistakes. He can't just ignore wrongs you've made. It's gotta be dealt with. There's gotta be punishment there. And so God would look at that and be like, yes, it's gotta be punished. But in his love, he didn't punish you. He's not punishing you right now. He took all of that punishment that you deserve and he put it on Jesus Christ who would ultimately be one of David's heirs, the line of David, of Jesse. And Ruth was a part of that eternal impact because that man, Jesus Christ, came and lived the perfect life that you and I couldn't and then died on a cross to take all of that divine judgment that you and I deserve. It wasn't just physical pain that he endured, it was divine judgment that he endured for you and for me so that when we go before God, it doesn't need to be this whole like, okay, I've got all, these, all, this, all this baggage that's in the way here. God looks at that and be like, 
that baggage has already been paid for. You just come to me. You don't gotta clean yourself up first. You don't gotta change how you're living. For you, ju you just come to me. When people came to Jesus in the gospels, he didn't like look at them and be like, okay, listen now, you need to be on your knees. You need to be singing louder. You need to change the way how you're talking. You need to be nicer to your neighbors. Like you need to give more right here. He didn't say any of that. He looked at them and said, hey, just come and see. Just come and see. Because he knew that what was wrong with you and what was wrong with me couldn't be fixed by me. It could only be fixed by him. And that's what's on the table. That's what, that, that's what we're selling. We're selling a message of hope that the God of the universe isn't condemning you. He loves you and he wants a relationship with you. He wants to show you what true joy and satisfaction and peace and fulfillment are because we'll spend our lives looking at all the stuff that we can find here. And, and man, like we'll, we'll grab some satisfaction, but that'll get spent. And then we'll grab some more satisfaction. That'll get spent. And, and that jar gets emptier and emptier. And we realize one day that man, like there's, there's nothing left and I just feel empty. I feel like there's nothing left. And he's like, that's because you weren't made for this world. You weren't made to get filled up by this world. You were made to get filled up by me. I'm the limitless resource that never runs out. And I want a relationship with you and I made it possible. You don't gotta do anything except come to me. Just come, I'll change you, I'll make you new. I'll show you true joy and life and peace because I made those things and I want them for you. See, we're called to point people to the only source that can truly make a remarkable impact in somebody's life. And so this week, man, as we're seeing needs in front of us and we're tempted to see those needs you're like, man, I can't meet that. Like my resources are limited. I want us to shift our focus and I want us instead to go to our Father in heaven and be like, God, I might, I might have nothing here like in my own resources, but I know you're unlimited. You're unlimited, you're limitless. God, show me how I can make a remarkable impact in this person's life. Show me how I can choose the shovel over the spoon. Because I know that, Father, you are in the business of changing lives. You're in the business of refilling empty people. And I want to be a part of that. And so, man, church, my, my, my request for us is this week, ask God, how can I use a shovel when a spoon's reasonable? Show me somewhere, God. Show me where I can use a shovel when a spoon is reasonable. And my prayer today is, is man, church, let, let's, be, let's not be reasonable. Because reasonable is forgettable. Man, let's, let's be remarkable for God's glory and for people's good. Let's pray. Well, Father, I thank you that, man, you've, you've, you've placed on our heart burdens that we've got, things that we see that's wrong with this world. You don't blind us to those things. In fact, man, we'll read the news and our hearts will just break for what we see. We'll get to know our coworkers and our neighbors. We'll hear some of their stories. Man, our, heart will, our hearts will break for what we hear. And you've given us this desire to do something about it. And oftentimes it's so easy to look at those needs and to be like, man, like, 
Everybody else is just kind of like giving 20 bucks. Everybody else is, is just kind of like saying hi and then kind of going on their way. Everybody else is kind of keeping to themselves. Father, show me where I can use a shovel instead of a spoon. There's nothing wrong with doing those reasonable things. There, there's really nothing. There's no shame in that. There's no shame in just little acts of, uh, of kindness. That's a great thing to do. But Father, I wanna be remarkable, not for my glory, but so that you would look amazing that empty people will be refilled through your power, through your grace, through your magnificence. Father, show me where I can use a shovel this week where a spoon would be reasonable. And man, if you're not a Jesus follower in here this morning, everything I said is true. God's not looking at you right now and disappointed with you. God's looking at you right now and is like, man, like seeing one of his kids just running in the street towards traffic. He's like, man, I don't, I don't want you to go that way. I don't want you to go that way. You were made for more. Come to me. You don't have to grow up first. You just come to me. You just turn around and you run towards me. I wanna know you. I wanna love you. I wanna, I wanna fill you with my Holy Spirit. I wanna change you from the inside out. You come to me regardless of what you've done and I'll make you new. And if you've never made that decision before, that's your own personal decision. It's something you make, not something I can make for you, not something somebody else can make for you. It's your decision and all it takes is you turning to God, be like, God, I'm, I'm done doing things my way. I wanna do things your way. I wanna do things your way. And so I give you my life, it's yours. You do with it whatever you want. But Lord, I'm, I'm done chasing my stuff. You take my life. And so, Lord, I thank you for this morning. I pray that you would move in our hearts, God, as you, as you see fit, as you know us. Please move in our hearts, open our eyes, that we might be a part of the remarkable impact that you are making in this world for your glory and people's good. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.